The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be yours. Do you like to eat? I think we all like to eat. But do you feel that you have to eat? Well, sometimes we probably feel that way, especially when the stomach is growling or maybe we feel that we're weak. We understand it's important to eat, and so we don't want to skip meals. In fact, sometimes we load up on extra meals. Sometimes it's said of people that uh, not only do they eat in order to live, that they live so that they can eat. And that's sometimes true of Lutherans, I think, with all of our potluck or fellowship meals. Not only do we eat so that we can live, we live so that we can eat because we enjoy it so much. But I'm talking not just about those wonderful fellowship meals we have. I'm also talking about this, the Lord's Supper. We take the Lord's Supper so that we can live. And we live because we enjoy eating that Lord's Supper. It is a special meal for us. As we finish our series of messages entitled, treasured truths, this morning we want to look at this treasure that God has given us, the Lord's Supper. We're going to do so looking at the words that the Apostle Paul used to teach the Corinthians about this special meal. He wrote, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now, Matthew in his gospel adds this additional sentence that Jesus spoke. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In those words, we can hear an invitation. Now, I'm sure that you have gotten invitations before to special meals celebrating some special event. And when you get that invitation, perhaps you feel kind of special. That somebody was thinking about you. That they wanted you to be their honored guest at that event. Now, when you go to that event, because you're a guest, you follow the directions that are laid out by the host. And when you get the menu, you maybe look over it, but you certainly don't say, well, I don't want this. Let's change this and, and have this instead. No, you know that this is what the host is giving you, and so you accept it. Also, if, if you were given a, a special diet to follow, let's say from your doctor, for health purposes, you wouldn't look at it and say, you know what, I'm not going to follow that, and I'm going to eat something else instead. You know that if the doctor gave it to you, it was for your good, and so you're going to follow it. Well, if that's the way we respond to invitations and special meals we attend that are given to us by friends or by a doctor, how much more 
don't we want to follow the instructions that the host of this meal gives us? That host is the Lord himself. The Apostle Paul said in those beginning words of our text, For I received from the Lord Jesus what I have passed on to you. The night that Jesus was betrayed. With those words, he's reminding us that it's our Lord who has given us this meal. Now that word Lord has a few meanings behind it. It can mean the the sovereign God, the one who is over all things. It also refers to an owner or a master. Somebody who has redeemed a slave and now is taking care of that slave. And so just with that title, just by identifying who the host is, who the one is who is inviting us to this meal, we can see a reason for following it. Because that meal is given to us for our good. The meal is given to us out of love. In fact, the early Christians, when they gathered to celebrate this meal, would often have a fellowship meal connected with it, and they called it their agape feast, or their agape meal, which was the word for love. It was their opportunity to reflect God's love for them in their love for one another. But there's something else that we need to remember also about the host, the Lord, our Redeemer. He was the actual sacrifice that was given in this meal. You see, this meal was taking off or, or, or flowed from the Passover. On the night Jesus was betrayed, Paul said. That was Monday, Thursday, we call it. The night in which Jesus gathered with his disciples to celebrate the Passover. That Passover meal was something that God had commanded his people to keep. It was a time for them to recall how God had redeemed them from the hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt. They would recall how God had instructed them to take a lamb, to slay it, and to take that blood and to put it over the doorposts of their house. Because that that blood is what would save them from death. As God had sent the angel of death to pass over Egypt, to strike down all the firstborn males, to break their bondage, their hold on the people of Israel. So God wanted to save his people from that death. And that blood was the sign that these were the people of God. It was by the blood of the lamb that they were redeemed. God then instructed them, to celebrate that Passover meal every year as their time to remember that great event. But it was more than just a a look back. It was also a look forward. Because the lamb that saved them from that death was pointing them to the lamb of God that would save them from their sins and from eternal death. And the people knew that. And throughout the Old Testament, we hear that teaching. For example, Isaiah said, Christ was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And the reason being, he explains it in Isaiah. Well, I'm sorry, I've got another slide here. uh, Where we're seeing the connection between 
the Old Testament Passover and Jesus. It's purely pointing to him and reminding them that blood needed to be shed for them. Isaiah is the one who reminded us of that when he said, surely he, meaning the Messiah, the Savior, took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. It's no wonder then that the Apostle Paul clearly proclaimed to the Corinthians, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And so we see in this meal, a very special meal, that God gives us something very special too. As the host, he has set the menu. I have a few points here before we get to the points that are in your notes. But we see that connection between the lamb and Jesus. They also, in their meal, were to have bitter herbs. Those bitter herbs would remind them of the bitter suffering of their slavery, but also would point them ahead to the bitter suffering the Savior would endure in our place. They were also to have unleavened bread in the Passover meal. Unleavened, without yeast that had spread throughout the whole batch of dough, was a picture of sin. The unleavened bread would remind us then of the sinlessness of Jesus. And the wine was a picture of life and the blood that would be shed from the Messiah for us. And so in this special meal, we have bread and wine. Not as symbols, not as pictures to represent the body and blood of Jesus, but the very body and blood of Jesus himself. Now we might wonder, how can that be? When, when we take communion, we, we taste wine and bread. And yet the scriptures teach us there is something more. That bread and wine have a miraculous role. That is, they become the vehicle for God to give us the actual body and blood of Jesus. Now how do we know that? Well, listen to these words of the Apostle Paul. He said, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? That word, participation in, or a sharing in, was translated in the, in the old King James Bible as communion. And that's where we get the name for this sacrament then. What Paul is saying is there is a communion, a common union between the wine and Jesus and blood and the bread and Jesus' body. It's sharing the same time and space. It is a miracle then. God puts that body and blood of Jesus in that bread and wine. We like to use the phrase in, with, and under. Now let me illustrate it this way. 
using the remote in my hand. I have it in my hand. My hand is there and the remote. And yet, usually I'm able to hide it from you. So you can see my hand, but you can't see the remote. It is there in the same way. We see wine and bread, but Jesus' body is there in, with, and under the appearance and taste of the bread and wine. And so this meal becomes special because Jesus is giving us himself. On Friday, I saw something that I don't think I've ever seen before in my life. A rainbow. And you're saying, what do you mean? You've never seen a rainbow before? <laughs> well, I've seen parts of rainbows. Like you, perhaps. You've seen, you know, the bottom end, and, and maybe if you looked hard, you could see it stretching up, but then sometimes it gets hidden in a cloud. And maybe if you're lucky, you can see the other end of it. But on Friday, I saw the whole arc of the, of the rainbow laid out. I don't recall that I've ever seen the whole thing before. It was beautiful. Now, what's the point of that? In communion, we have the whole thing. Not a symbol, not a representation. We have the whole thing. We have the actual sacrifice that was made for our sins. How beautiful that is. Is it hard to understand? Sure. I can't explain it other than with the words of God himself. And that's what Martin Luther pointed us to. Listen to the words of God himself. He put it this way. With this word, meaning the phrase, this is my body, you can strengthen your conscience and declare, let a hundred thousand devils with all the fanatics rush forward and say, how can bread and wine be Christ's body and blood? Still, I know that all the spirits and scholars put together have less wisdom than the divine majesty has in his little finger. Here we have Christ's word. We have it from the lips of Christ. And so it is. He cannot lie or deceive. This treasure is conveyed and communicated to us in no other way than through the words. Simply put, God says it, and we believe it. By faith we believe what his words declare. His body and blood are really there. Would you say this treasured truth with me, please? By faith we believe what his words declare. His body and blood are really there. And they're there for us, his honored guests. But the words of the scripture also point out that the Lord's Supper is just not for everyone, but only those who are qualified to receive it. Let's listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the word. Here's what he is saying. Those who are welcome to receive the Lord's Supper are worthy to receive it if they recognize the real presence. That is, that they believe that the body and blood of the Lord is really present. Now, the words that I just read were pretty strong. Paul talked about judgment. What he's saying is, to not recognize that is not believing the Lord. And that's sin. Now, we happen to be in the business of not encouraging sin. We don't want people to sin. That's why we say, those who believe in this truth are invited to come forward. And those who don't know it are invited to come and receive instruction first so that they can, with faith, receive this sacrament with its blessings. Paul also said, a person needs to examine himself before he comes to receive it. By that he means look at your life. Look at, look at yourself in the light of God's word. And what do you see? You see that you're a sinner who's in need of forgiveness. And that forgiveness is not going to come because you can do better, because you will make a pledge and promise to do better. No, it comes because Jesus shed his blood for you. Examine yourself and see that you are a sinner who's forgiven by Jesus. Paul also says that when we take it together, we are professing the same faith. He says that with these words. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. He's telling us there that the body and blood of the Lord has a very powerful effect on us. It unites us together as the people of God, and we express that unity with our common beliefs. So that's the description of the guests who are invited to receive this meal. On Friday, I had to take one of my vehicles in to get repaired because I could hear the brakes starting to rub. And yesterday, I got the call from the mechanic as to what was going on. And as usual, I knew that he would tell me there was more than what I thought. So not only the front brakes, but also the rear brakes. And the differential fluid is leading and leaking. And there's grease getting all over from someplace. And the list went on and on and on. And I said, okay, what stuff is really serious that I need to take care of? And he told me what needed to be done. Because he said, if you don't take care of that leak with the differential fluid, your brakes could fail, and you don't want that. You certainly don't want that. And while it may be hard to take, and I was looking for a cheaper way out, I recognized that safety called for me to do the whole thing. And so it is with these words of Jesus regarding communion. We want to take them seriously. Follow them 
accurately. He gives them to us for our well-being. So what does that mean? It means we come forward properly prepared by recognizing our need for forgiveness and relying on Jesus as the one who gives us that forgiveness. And then recognizing we have it because he's really there. When we receive it, there are some benefits. There are some blessings that we receive. And that first one is simply relief. Knowing that our sins have been removed. As many and as serious and as intentional as they have been, they have been taken away. Now, we might wonder, why the actual body and blood in that bread and wine? I illustrate it this way with my eighth graders in confirmation class. As I'm reaching for my wallet, I ask if any of them want $20. Of course, all their hands go up. And then I give them a piece of paper that says $20 on it. And they say, no, Pastor, we want a $20 bill. And so I reach into my wallet and I take out a photocopy of a $20 bill. Don't tell the feds. <laughs> and they go, Pastor, but that's not a $20 bill. It's not a real thing. It just looks like it. Okay. You can't buy anything with that photocopy. They want the real thing. God wants to give us the real thing. The body and blood of Jesus that was shed for our forgiveness. So that we have that assurance, that relief. Our guilt is taken away. Because we've been restored We've been brought back into that relationship with Jesus. He invites us to come and have a meal with him. And being restored, we leave renewed. Renewed in our spirit, in our sense of dedication to live for the Lord and to serve him, and with hearts that are filled with joy. So when you leave, you can smile when you go down from communion because you're loved by the Lord. Someone once told me that uh, they don't take communion often because they think by taking it often it takes away the specialness of the meal. But the specialness of, you know, as if like you were to celebrate Thanksgiving every month. But the specialness of the meal is not in how infrequent we take it, but how frequently we can take it and what it is and what it does for us. This is a treasured meal come often. And just as you might leave from a, a restaurant or another meal and say, boy, that was good, so you can leave from this meal, knowing it was a special meal, a treasure that God prepared for you. Enjoy. Amen.